patience for the construction you are about ready to see. Lots of money has been dumped into infrastructure and your community is very aggressive in going after those funds. So certainly patience there. I think as we grow, um, trying to determine the levels of service and needs of the community um, will be very important. So patience with that. And then lastly, speak up, come talk to us, share with us what your vision is for your community. Share it with your community. Um, Morpsy is here to plan for you first. We work for you as a citizen of, of Central Ohio. So we, we love to hear what people need um, to make this the quality community that they want to live in every day. We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios in the Brewery District, just south of downtown Columbus, Ohio. Hey, this is Brett. Carol, I've asked you this numerous times as we come down to the studio. How long did it take you to get here today? I'm guessing, as usual, not a fun ride. Not a fun ride. Too long. <laughs> take my life in my hands, in, in the hands of the transportation gods, just to get here. First time I'd gone through downtown Columbus, and I had not one, not two, but three people jaywalked in front of me. Wow. It hmm. was it was strange. It was a strange. But that's why we are going to talk transportation today. So needless to say, I-71 is a racetrack. And construction in my county, Delaware County, just goes on and on and on. So I never know if I can even get to the freeway. Mm -hmm. um, today we have a special guest who we dearly love and excited she's back again. She's going to give us an overview of the Central Ohio Transportation Infrastructure. So welcome to Thea Ewing, who's now the Chief Regional Development Officer and Senior Director of Programming for the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, which we know of as MORPSI. Thea, we love having you. Thank you so much for coming again. Thank you. It's always an honor to be asked back, Carol. I love talking to you and Brett. Oh, thanks. That title, is that wrap around a business card you back and front? <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot, isn't I'm it? Just, just call me chief, right? <laughs> you know? Yes. So, yes. You know, chief regional development officer, really yeah. focusing on the fact that we are a growing region, right? Yeah. And um, that was, we, we really thought about some of our shifts we were making at the beginning of last year with our staffing. And so this really matches up with the work that we're doing now. Okay. So, and it is a promotion. I was really proud and excited to get it. Absolutely. So is that a, a new title in existence or it existed before? Kind of morphing of some disciplines of, of some stuff you got to do now? Yeah. So it's a little bit of all those things. Okay. It, it really didn't exist before except okay. for uh, from the staffing discipline standpoint, my team was kind of broadening mm -hmm. um, to include economic development as a practice. So we've brought in economic development, um, some additional transportation funding beyond just the uh, urban core. Um, and of course, just a lot of innovative projects. And because I you know, I was the transportation director, uh, and I was doing all these little extra things. And so I had the opportunity to really okay. talk about where I'm going next. So well, when you think, I mean, economic issues and transportation have really come together over the past years. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's just where my career has kind of the cornerstone mm-hmm. of where I've been working. It's on the either side of either tra- infrastructure and transportation or very near-term conversations with developers mm-hmm. trying to bring us jobs. So I like the fact that both those things live in my department. I am kind of a rare person from a career perspective. You're either normally one or the other, and it's kind of cool that I get to be both and, and work with teams that are specialties in both economic development and transportation. So it's cool. You're becoming a model for the state and the country. That's right. The Morsi tries its best to to be bring those best practices for our community. Nice, good, wonderful. So, at Morsi has been a powerful partner in our community for many many years. Um, folks don't always necessarily understand what's going on with Morsi, what it does, but it has just been an incredible. Um, not just partner, but really kind of the linchpin of all of the stuff that's going on and how we're growing. Um, I'm also guessing that to explain Morpsy and its goals is can sometimes be like overwhelming for people to hear. So tell us what what value does Morpsy bring to our community? Well, thank you for asking that. I am always very excited to share what I do and what our organization does with people in the community. Um, you know, many people are excited to hear our name because they already know, but some people are, this is all new to them. And mm-hmm. I, I just feel so fortunate that I get to make a career out of it. So we really at Morp City try to focus on improved quality of life for citizens of the central higher region and the local governments that they live in. And we, we do that via the elected leaders that are on our board. Um, we do focus on that in transportation and infrastructure, helping people with housing and obtain um, weatherization services for their housing. We assist our local governments with trying to find out with what's going on at the state house or on Capitol Hill and how it's going to impact them and their citizens. So we have a pretty long list of things that we do. And I just... Um, I think with all of the growth and opportunities coming to Central Ohio, we're at a really pivotal point, right? We're at a place where a lot of different groups come together. And then during the pandemic, we had quite a, a role of keeping those folks together and keeping them informed, too. So it's just uh, it, it's been nonstop, very nonstop. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that even for someone like me who has worked with Morpsy, knows Morpsy, thinks I understand what Morpsy does. The pivotal thing you said in there was bringing communities together because when we hear about regional programs, we tend to think of we're all just sort of thrown in a pot and we're not. Each little community has its own needs, its own goals, its own mission, and its own set of leaders um, to get there. And so all of a sudden now it's it's like all these little fiefdoms, kind of like Ohio State University, and all its <laughs> little fiefdoms and bringing it under one umbrella. But that's really what Morpsey is doing is to show how what's good for Upper Arlington can be good not just for Grandview, but for Whitehall or for Westerville or for Grove City and, and how all of that in every one of those communities is very, very different. Mm-hmm. And and we're a fifteen county area, so right. if you can imagine the 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 difference between communities in this fifteen county region, and they are 
pretty pretty vast, right? right? We go from purely rural to very urban. Right. Um, and so kind of working to ensure that this is a region for all those people, that they have access to jobs in this region, that they have safe ways to transport themselves to the places they need to go, like work, school, and health. Doctors. Right, yeah. Right. And so just making sure that we're kind of bringing that together. Um, I feel like our role, you know, a regional planning commission is something that's in almost every metropolitan planning or metropolitan area in the United States. Um, but I feel like in Ohio, it, it serves as a greater role because we are a home rule state. And so there isn't as many incentives for the communities to work together mm-hmm. other than us, right? In other, state, in other states, there are state laws that encourage, you know, a community to plan or encourage them to do certain things. And actually, it's not even encouraged. It's like required, right? So, yeah. So in other states, the you know communities would be required to do planning or required to do certain things because we're home rule. It's awesome that you know we were set up in a way that our local governments have ultimate control over their future, but also that it makes things very different from community to community. So we help smooth that out and help everybody come up with a, a good way to work together. That's interesting. I didn't realize there was that difference. Is Ohio the only one that does this or? No, a home rule is, uh, I mean, it's one type of government, but basically it is the idea that your local government really does control itself and the state doesn't have very much more authority into your city. Um, So you don't have cities that are, like our counties are set up in the Ohio Revised Code, our cities are not. Uh, The cities set up their own charters here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in other states, that's much more prescriptive. In some other states, not all. But in some other states, yeah, we are much more an, an independent uh, you know, city type uh, state. 15 counties. How many groups are under those 15 counties? <laughs> Cities, villages, entities, you know, do we even have any, any clue? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, we do have some actual numbers, but we have 80 actual members. Okay. But our our area of interest is those 50 count, or sorry, the 15 counties. So our area of interest is 15 counties. And from that area of interest, our 80 members do come from. Some of them are county governments, villages, townships, um, cities. Uh, we also have members that are government entities that do not have a, a like, physical jurisdiction per se, like the zoo uh, or um, like uh, uh, the school district, various school districts. They they do have a jurisdiction, but it's not quite the same as like a city. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so we we have a number of of folks who are engaged with us, both as local government members, but also as like special interest members, like Metro Parks is another Mm -hmm. one. So, so yeah, we we certainly um, try to kind of really work with all those entities to bring them together. And then we have maps of different different groups of these entities. So we have a metropolitan planning organization, which is for urban planning in the center. And then we have a rural planning organization around it. And then we have various footprints for various programs. But that's see, that's the beauty. As a citizen or as a local government leader here, you don't have to know all those maps. That's what we do. We'll right. dissolve all those lines and help help bust through those silos so we can actually make things happen here. But it also shows the um, it's not just complexity, it's the completeness of the planning. Right. When you're when you're looking at at not just a housing district, but how much green space and where are the waterways and all of the things that go with it. So phenomenal. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank, Thank you. you.
So when you visited in the past, we talked about a master plan coordinated by MORPC. Um, I'm assuming they continue to update the plan, evaluate transportation infrastructure because changes weekly, it seems like. Um, the bottom line, a community can't grow if workers can't get their jobs, kids can't get to school, we can't shop, you know, have some fun, go to church, that sort of thing. Can you give some highlights on the master plan and current changes that are under discussion? Awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Every four years, um, MORPC updates the um, urbanized area metropolitan transportation plan, which we, you know, mm -hmm. refer to as a master plan, too. And the idea being that, you know, we look into our future to determine how much funding we're going to see over the next uh, at least 20 years. Um, uh, what our goals are for that time period, how much we're going to grow in population, and we update all that. Um, and uh, last time we did it for 30 years, it was uh, 2020 to 2030, sorry, 2050. Um, and now this one will also go out to 2050. We're just going to shorten up the time. Um, so it'll be basically an update. Um, we plan to have it adopted in 2024, so just next year. And um, so we're in the thick of uh, working on those projects that the community will want to see in our future. And we do break those down by time periods too. Like the first group, you know, maybe uh, 24 through 28, right? And then, and so on. And what we see right now at this point, because we're a little bit early in the process, is that a number of our projects are going to advance. So in our previous plans, they were probably scoped for like 2030, right? Maybe the ones I'm talking about, or 2050. And now we're saying, oh, that needs to happen in 2024, mm. 2027. You know, and the reason why is now we're talking about very specific development opportunities that are coming our way with Intel and with, with these investments with Honda that we heard about last year. You know, so I think that's really, for us, this is, although we were anticipating a lot of this growth, this is about tightening up around where we need to make improvements to the system. We actually run a whole model underneath this to test it, and then we'll find what, what roadways we need to focus in on, and that'll be a big focus of what we start doing from the year 24 forward as far as funding. Um, so it's, and, and that sort of goes right into my next question. The last time we talked, the infrastructure bill had just been passed, and we had no clue if anything was coming to Ohio and how much and what it was going to be for. Do you have updates on that for us? Yes, um, although maybe not specific numbers are off the top of my head, but certainly a lot. So our funding uh, at Morpsey, as I've previously mentioned, we, we used to get somewhere in the like 35 million in a given year, but roughly to pass to our member partners for transportation projects. Now we're kind of more in that 40 million. So we, we grew a little um, and we anticipate to grow a little bit more every year um, as this bill goes on because we're watching, you know, what ODOT uh, brought in as our totals from the federal government. So we're really excited to see that growth. Then the, the most important growth, though, is actually in a number of discretionary opportunities that are both at the federal level and then funding that the state took in that they're also going to be doing additional projects and programs. Um, you know, this funding is uh, a lot of it is focused around um, the conversion to electric vehicles and carbon neutrality. 
But another part is safety. And you talked about your trip down here today um, from up in, in Delaware County. And, you know, um, the one thing we did see over the last year is an increase in really bad behavior on our roadways. And so between that and just fixing geometric and, and just unsafe uh, areas for our pedestrians and our drivers, I, I think we've got a lot to do. And there are a lot of resources coming our way for that. Does, does that translate into more money for more roundabouts? Is that <laughs> <laughs> Well, roundabouts are certainly uh, one of the things that we help fund, and, and it, is, it, it is a good choice if you have the room for it, and it, it makes sense for that area. But, um, yeah, I think that's it. I think uh, protected bikeways that are separated from the roadway in certain areas are definitely in order, like the cycle track we see on Summit even and forth. Um, um, uh, improved transit facilities that help ensure people can board and unboard in a safe manner, maybe, you know, you know, be safe from ice and weather. Um, so it's not just about the big projects. It's about the little projects, too, and making sure that our connectivity is, is uh, spot on for the future of Central Ohio. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Another important piece of legislation supported uh, the bid to bring Intel to Ohio. Um, obviously, they... Uh, they were committed, but the CHIPS Act funding made it a reality. Intel is taking over large pieces of New Albany, Johnstown, and other communities in Lincoln County. Uh, the new facilities are going to greatly change that community landscape. I already have. Um, can you give us an overview of the work Morbsey is doing to ensure Intel Project meets that community's needs? Well, we're one of many partners okay. working with the Intel Project area New Albany, Johnstown, and primarily Licking County. Probably the most notable planning efforts that are taking place today are by the um, Evans Foundation, and it's known as Framework. Um, we have been assisting them along with Licking County Planning um, Department and um, just ensuring that they're having those community conversations they want to have. They've started really focusing on 15 local governments that are closest to that site, like New Albany, like Johnstown um, and some of the townships around there. But their goal is to broaden that effort and kind of really make sure that they're being inclusive of their entire community. They do have a very significant focus on Licking County. Um, We also are doing a lot of planning, and we're both at the table with them, but we're also doing some additional. Um, As I mentioned, we are doing our Metropolitan Transportation Plan, so there's a lot of information and data that goes into that that's going to be important to everybody. Um, working on this because that model is behind all of this. Um, so updating all the sis- statistics from the census and stuff will be important for that. And building permits, you mm-hmm. know, to tell us where growth is happening. Um, so we're doing a lot in, in the way of data crunching, helping um, this foundation take off with their planning effort, and then you know, doing our own, and then ODOT too. Um, so ODOT um, is doing um, a study that is very transportation focused, and it's also right there centered around the plant area, and they're looking at concentric circles from the plant in the 20-minute travel zone, the 40-minute travel zone, and the 60-minute travel zone to really determine the kind of roadway infrastructure improvements that need to happen quick versus kind of the long-term planning and that we need to like save the money for mm-hmm. <laughs> or go apply for all these grants for, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but all, all in all, we are just really excited about all these opportunities. It's just, it's a lot at one time. So we're really thinking strategically about 
you know, like Morpsey is going to lead this effort and the Evans Foundation is going to do this. And it's really, really about bringing all these parts and pieces together of the puzzle so that we can make this work together. Yeah. And I, I heard recently what the focus, I mean, I guess initially is the 161 corridor, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe expanding it, at, or at least that's a first look mm-hmm. of, of doing something with that or changing it up or something like that. I forget what pieces of it, but yeah, I, I, that's what I thought I heard. Yeah, th- yeah. So that that work should be underway fairly shortly okay. in September of 2022. We actually passed a Metropolitan Transportation Plan Amendment, which added this uh, project to our plan for mm-hmm. funding, um, and also added it to the Transportation Improvement Program, which is what funds it. Um, it was over about. It's a multitude of projects, over $200 million, a majority of it 161, but also the roadways around the Intel facility as well, improving some of those. And then um, towards the end of the year, they were also talking about advancement of that 161 widening even further east, too. So um, certainly we are, (laughs) yeah, we're heading into a lot of projects in in the Licking County area, but I think, you know, there's just a lot of projects everywhere. A little overwhelming, isn't it? (laughs) You know, it can be, but, you know, if if we treat it like that, then I think we're really missing out on the opportunity to be very excited, engaged, and just, you know, the opportunities that come along for us to shape the way things are going to happen don't happen every day, and to sit here and be part of that process – Pretty cool, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at the years we've put into the 70-71 split. Right. And still going strong, but it... When it's done, it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, you just got to stay with it. Yeah, and I mean, the last couple years have been a big deal to get all the money we've gotten for that. And that's the reason why you've seen so much construction out Mm -hmm. there. And we're going to still see it in the next year or two. But, you know, that's what we have to do to continue doing this work because it's so expensive. You can't just come in and do it all at once. Right. Right. Yeah, because if you haven't been down in the downtown area – you know, now you're starting to see the very tall cement pillars for the flyover ramps and such. Right. like, okay, now this is starting to come together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of see what's going to happen there. Yeah. So it's very cool. It's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. So, Thea, much of our public transportation doesn't always work for the able-bodied, the elderly, special groups. Um, but I think Morpsey just recently received re- requested proposals for projects to meet those needs in each of the different situations. Can you give us some examples of programs that are being created through Morpsey funding that will enhance transportation systems for those special communities? Yes. So we have a special funding um, resource from the Federal Transit Administration known as the Enhanced Mobility and Senior um, Individuals with Disabilities Program, also known as Federal Transit Administration's 5310 program. None of those are really easy titles. We just call it 5310. Um, What is exciting about this program is providers of these uh, services, transportation services for elderly or disabled populations can reach out to us and actually obtain a bus that they may need for their service. Or maybe they're not in the business of having a bus because that's just too much to maintain. They can work with us and apply for tickets 
right? Just for their clients to use on these services if their if their clients meet this criteria. We work with a number of like senior centers, like the Grove City Senior Center, um, and um, I'm trying to think. National Church Residence has been an applicant of ours before. So the idea is that we're putting additional resources on the street, and they are dedicated two seniors and two persons with disability first and that organizations who get them that's what their mission has to be or we will take them back <laughs> so there you go. so but but this is this is like sort of a key issue here is that you're not just making plans you're not just doing the research you have funding to actually make something happen for an individual tomorrow yeah we do we do stuff that's very live and in the market too. I I kind of joke with my planners and folks that do work into the future that they're not really living in the now, right? They're, they're thinking ahead. They're not working in a market, right? Like like folks who are out there working with these folks trying to make sure that they have their transportation mm -hmm. needs met. Or uh, we have another program that focuses on rideshare for work, and that's become a big part of our conversation of getting people back into the workplace, especially in t the last year in 2022. So, um, you know, having those market-driven people in in our mix is good for us because it really helps ground us in the now while we're still kind of like have our heads in the clouds thinking about that big awesome future that we have ahead of us right right yeah. yeah it's one thing to talk 2050 it's another thing to make sure somebody has a bus ticket tomorrow yeah yeah, yeah that can be a real downer you know <laughs> having to like do things today you know i love i love dreaming into the future but like the realities of today it's like okay but if we don't meet those realities of today we're never going to get to tomorrow and i think that has really helped to ground me too. You know, you've heard me talk about a lot of crazy technologies. So. Oh yes, oh, <laughs> I yes. love and we I love, love it. it too. I, 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 we're going to talk about trains before you leave. <laughs> okay, but but I guess this kind of goes back to a conversation we just had um, regarding things like what we were we were doing an age friendly um, podcast, and I learned in that project that what's good for an older adult is good for all of the community. And one of the things I would see driving to work on Hamilton Road every day, going to, to my agency, was a post in the ground for a bus stop. Mm -hmm. There are days I used to see students with huge backpacks of books just standing there in the rain. I'd see moms with kids standing in there in the snow. Older people with walkers literally standing there waiting for a bus. And so we need to know that we can we can get Code to put shelters up in appropriate places. Now, this was near the airport, so there could be a whole reason around why they can't put a shelter there because it was behind the airport and right over, right under flight paths and all of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But to see that there, that Morpsey is also looking at those little tiny, tiny pieces. It's not just where 161 is going to get mm -hmm. extended to and who's land is going to be taken for one for that extension well yeah i think that's important to note about a shift we've seen in transportation policy with the um 
additional funds that came from the um, bipartisan infrastructure law. Um, there's a heavy focus on equity in ensuring that there's access for all people to the things that they want to get to. Um, as a result of that, I think you're going to see us even go more granular in conversations and ensuring that the, that we really have options for everyone. Um, certainly the funding and the authorities are now in place more so than we've ever seen in pa- under past programs. So the realities of like us maybe helping host a, you know, a bike share or things like that much are much more palatable now than where we used to focus much more on bigger projects. I think we're still going to be very involved in the bigger projects. I think we just need this additional layer um, because we're just trying to ensure that we have these opportunities for everybody in the region. Bottom line is if people aren't using public transportation, we're never going to grow public transportation. Right. And they have to have, be able to use it today. They have to want to like it. Yes. Right? And yes. I think, you know, we still we have a lot to do there. And I will say we have leaders in this community who are very committed to uh, trying some new opportunities uh, as we move forward. You know, we worked a lot of it on Link Us in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Mm-hmm. That's going to continue happening. Um, we're waiting for that right opportunity. Not necessarily waiting. We're continuing to work. But as far as funding goes, we are certainly waiting for the right window to really take off with some of those com- project components. But in the meantime, some of the smaller components will be coming on. So we're really looking at innovative ways to get ahead. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Well, during your last visit, we talked about the different needs between riders from the urban and rural areas. We talked a little bit about that even earlier uh, in the podcast. We shifted our transportation thinking when companies moved to areas outside of the Outer Belt. And, of course, it's going to be an issue in Lincoln County with the Intel project. How does Morpsey support communities outside of the core city in their efforts to move workers to employment? Mm. Well, we certainly try to encourage growth in uh, along existing corridors. That's that's just a good practice due to the fact that you already have the roads there, the infrastructure there, you know, the, the utilities, mm-hmm. um, you know, mail service comes there already. You know, there's just a lot of a lot of things good about reinvesting in properties that were are needing reinvestment and um, regeneration. Um, one of the programs we do is actually a brownfield assessment program. Mm-hmm. So I know it doesn't sound like transportation, but I do. We do actually pair that up with transportation, and we assist um, property owners in identifying if there's anything, or even if you're if you're a prospective property owner, mm-hmm. even we will give you the funds to assess it to determine if there's anything dirty on it. And if there, in fact, is something that needs to be taken care of, we'll also determine what needs to be done and give them that report too. I mean, we've spent as much as $120,000 on one project just to tell somebody how dirty the property is. But those projects then go on to be successfully redeveloped city projects or within the urban. We've seen some happen, um, the projects in Whitehall with the, mm-hmm. the condos that got um, renovated over the, and they're turning over to new um, uh, office and housing there. I'm trying to think of, um, I know even like Gladden House, they had an extra property nearby them. They needed to know, you know, they're a nonprofit. They can't spend a lot of money on 
um, trying to determine what this is going to, you know, what this ultimately is to use that property for a garden or something would cost. So we have that. Um, so we do unique things for, for the communities, right? We have, we have more than what you just think as like the normal, like big highway projects. We have something to help, you know, help you plan that, you know, we have services as, as we mentioned that do housing weatherization. So, you know, honestly, if you're a community who has a need, I mean, uh, the first step is just come talk to Morpsey, you know, because we'll, even if we don't do the service, we know who does the service mm-hmm. and we can help you find what you need for your community. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. So I have another small community, smaller community question. I was noticing when I was coming up with all these questions for our podcast today, and I'm looking through the Morpsey um, website, that the city of Lancaster just received some assistance to improve transportation around the city's core. So anybody out there who has ever sat on Route 33, like I have many, many times, knows that it's difficult sometimes to get between Columbus and Lancaster. And Lancaster is a wonderful community, lots going on. And um, I have good friends there. So, we, you know, we want to be able to get there kind of quickly and have dinner together. Um, are there examples of other kinds of projects like that that Morpsey's been, been working on to try to make – we're not only just making a community better, but we're making the connections between communities better. Route, route 23. Route 23. Oh. Route 23. South? North. North. Okay. No, both. 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 You know, yeah. uh, north is not as – north is worse than south. I agree. 23. Oh, my gosh. Oh. High Street North. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, you know. That, from you, the lights? Yeah. Yeah. I got a whole other <laughs> – Question. I got a whole other question on that. Go, go for it. Go. All right. So we we are working with small communities. I think that's also a new face of Morpsey. I mean, it's something we've been doing since 2017, 2018. But you're starting to see the work show up on the streets now. Um, we started a rural transportation planning organization um, back about five years ago now. And um the first funded in the in the when it first started when the rural transportation planning program first started at Morpsey uh, under it's called the Central Ohio Rural Planning uh, Committee and it's Corpo um, so like Morpsey but it's Corpo um, uh, when we first started getting that group together all we had was money just to do their planning that was it just to look at projects they wanted to do determine what kind of uh, funding that may be out there for them but not actually get it and maybe do some early analysis of the project. Um, but then after we did that for a couple of years, we actually got money to do projects. Mm-hmm. And so what you, what you saw in 2022 are the very first projects from that effort took off, and one of which was the one in Lancaster that you're talking about. Okay. So we're going to start to see that more and more. Right now, I mean, the money we get, it's – it's not a lot, a million, about a million dollars a year for that. Uh, it could be a lot more. Um, but also, um, we have the chance to work with ODOT and help guide these applicants to some other pool resources, like, you know, grant applications. Um, the, the, this year um, and soon, um, the governor is going to be introducing the budget. Right. And the transportation budget is going to be up. 
there's an opportunity for us to talk about more transportation dollars for rural areas then too, mm-hmm. and as well as things we need in the urban areas. So, um, yeah, Morpsey's really tried to broaden our services to ensure that we can really meet the needs of all of our Central Ohio communities. And I'm just so glad that like you saw that. That means that you know that work I started five years ago, my team started five years ago. It's starting to like make a difference, right. and just everyday citizens are seeing it. That's right. awesome. Right. Right. I, so I'm off on a tangent here. This is why we have I'm scripts. the queen of tangents. I'm telling you, this is, you know, I, it doesn't matter if I do a script or not. I'm always on a tangent. Brett's I went an to, editing master. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so way back when, I went to school in Detroit for a year. And many of the major roads in Detroit were built with bypasses around them. So it was like a road around a road. And it was so to keep the main road flowing and basically it was to get the people who had to work downtown out to the suburbs quickly, mm-hmm. where if you were going to the grocery store or the cleaners or whatever, you get off on the little bypasses and get that way. I noticed there was an article in maybe the New York Times several months ago that Detroit is going to get rid of those. And it seemed to it to me it was perfect because it kept the community intact but allowed without putting a freeway through a neighborhood it allowed faster transportation are there any other places that do things like that that have those kind of like little bypass kind of thing it's like having a service road basically service it's road. a service mm-hmm. road yeah right I was, I was sitting here thinking like bypass I think yeah she's talking about well, service road. road yes okay cool yeah well of course you know there are a lot of places typically places that have a lot of traffic tourist areas tend to have yeah. a lot of service roads um you don't see as much of that in central ohio i've seen a couple like up on morris road um but mm-hmm. it's just not a common it's not a common practice of ours um What I can say about infrastructure you see going away like that, especially if it was to accommodate additional amounts of traffic, Detroit's significantly decreased in population from when those were built. And so they most likely have identified that it's it's not necessary and it's also not going to be necessary through that whole long-range plan that I talked about like we were doing. Mm -hmm. So once they determine that, it's kind of like, well, why are we spending money maintaining this? And what is, you know, if that, if we have two roads to move cars and zero of those have any paths for people who want to walk, ride their bike, catch the bus... It's just it's not it's not a modern complete street, and so I'm sure that was part of the thought too. Uh, the other thing is, um, last year when the bipartisan infrastructure bill really started, the funding started flowing. Another focus was um, trying to right the wrongs of the past and reconnecting communities. Mm-hmm. And so many of those communities, especially if they have service roads, they you know I would think they took up large swaths of communities that may have existed prior to that. Um, so that's another factor we're taking into account. And you're actually there's a whole grant fund just about. Um, you know, taking down bridges that were interstate bridges that ripped through communities. Um, we, you know, we're also trying to go after those dollars for various projects in central Ohio. Um, but I think there's, um, I, I think that there's many of them across the country. Um, one of the, it's an interesting fact to wait. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but if you go on the auditor's website and you look at like where all the, um, 
lot lines are, if you look at the interstate, you will see lot lines underneath the interstate. Those mm-hmm. lot lines were, peop- were people's houses. Right. Mm-hmm. Whenever the interstate moved through here. Oh, gotcha. yes. And, they, so. and that's another whole story that's been going on in uh, looking in central Ohio as to what happened with the communities. Right. Uh, I mean, my grandparents' house was taken for 71. Right. And and it ran right next to my aunt's house. So as a, I was probably only in fourth or fifth grade and looking at through this big fence that was next to her house and all you saw was a ditch, a huge ditch. It looked like it had been bombed out. It was scary. It was a little scary. So, hmm. yeah, it's, it's – and that was – there was uh, there was a comparison of the growth of Clintonville compared to the growth of Linden and Northland, mm-hmm. and how seventy one changed the growth of those areas. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It is fascinating, and I think this look back that we've been doing in the last couple of years have really told us a lot about what we could do better for the future mm-hmm. planning of the region. Mm-hmm. Not just, I mean, and that's not just happening here; it's happening all over. But I think particularly here, we have a lot of lessons to learn and a lot of opportunities to take advantage of to ensure that the, especially all these new jobs that are coming in, um, that everybody has a chance to go after those opportunities. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that change in Detroit, they don't have much green space. And I think a lot of that was going to be changed into parks and green space, which could be very advantageous for those neighborhoods. Yeah, they have they have a very stark hardscape up in mm-hmm. Detroit. Mm-hmm. And the times that I visited, I remember seeing a ton of concrete. Mm-hmm. So that would yeah. be ideal to really help uh, soften and and kind of bring that quality of life aspect that people are looking for when they're looking to place themselves in a new community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our listeners are probably going to push right ahead into this episode to this mark, forty minutes in. Yes. To know about I will Hyperloop potential passenger trains coming to Columbus. Awesome. What do you think? You know, what? you know, you can't come to our podcast without me talking about hi- and, the hyperloop and and, and, and will and that passenger, passenger train. train make a left or a right to go to Intel and then come back around? <laughs> Good point. Oh my goodness, we we keep saying that, that the I, I my plea to Thea has been, please get the train to Chicago before I'm 90. <laughs> I, I'm hopeful for that, too. So. You're 90 or her 90? Uh, uh, any, <laughs> any at this point. If it's so. her 90, I'm in trouble. <laughs> may not be. Um, so, uh, yeah, really excited about some of the new opportunities that have come our way with passenger rail. Um, I first would need to at least address the Hyperloop question. And we've studied Hyperloop as a technology for the last two or three years prior to last year. Um, Things really shifted with the company a little bit. Um, They had some change up on their board. Um, The Trump administration was a huge, well, not a huge supporter, but a supporter of the technology. And they actually had set up a whole um, organization in DOT to look at new technologies. That really doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So... um, they're still on a path for certifying their technology for use in the United States. It's just not as fast as it once was. And they've um, really looked at um, more services abroad. Hyperloop has a major freight investor in the United Arab Emirates, 
And um, because of that, uh, they've really started to take a more of a focus towards freight and towards that investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean they're not interested in working here. Doesn't mean they're not interested in our route. We're still interested in that. But we have to move forward with technologies that are ready for us to embrace when money is available. Mm-hmm. Um, money is available for rail. There was a significant investment by via the bipartisan infrastructure uh, package. So we're going to continue looking at new technologies, but we're going to take the studies that we did with Hyperloop and Rail and start um, advancing um, potential rail projects with that information. So at the end of 2022, big opportunities came along. Uh, first was that the state was able to, as as a good group, not necessarily as the state of Ohio, but as a group of communities, advance its interest in going after the new funds that were established for passenger rail new and expansion projects in the United States. Um, Amtrak worked with us quite a bit. Um, but first and foremost is that we're pursuing funding for 3C&D um, uh, passenger rail service in the state of Ohio, which is Cincinnati, Dayton, Columbus, and Cleveland. Um, as originally proposed, we were looking at three trains a day, uh, about two and a half hours time out of Columbus towards Cincinnati or or Cleveland, a little higher than what you'd drive in, in a car, um, but also takes out bathroom stops, potential traffic. There's a lot of other things you erase with that trip. So um, we feel like it's pretty competitive for a start. Um, we know there's potential to make it go faster. We, we've got to meet with other states and talk to them about what they did to make their sets faster. And when that, that happens, it also the price goes down because um, oh. you know more people buy tickets and then the subsidies that the state or local governments have to pay to go down. Um, also at the end of the year, so we're, we're really excited about 3C&D and pursuing that interest with our partners across the state. Um, also, we got into a very um, detailed conversation with our partners around our Chicago to Pittsburgh line, which was the passenger, or sorry, the Chicago to Pittsburgh line, which was the line that we studied for Hyperloop. Mm. And um, with this line, um, Amtrak is starting to warm up to the idea of adding it to its national map, which that was not something that was under consideration in the past. So that that would come on even during this five years when all this new money is available is a big deal. We may be chasing two corridors, not one. Um, During 2022, also the convention center did a study to look at a potential station downtown. We've been working with a number of our communities to identify station locations in their communities and what they're, what facilities they're going to need, you know, working with CODA, determining the kind of service that's going to need to happen. So these conversations are really happening now, and businesses are excited about it. We're having talk conversations with other communities, and we are talking to the state about it in a very open fashion. So no decisions of the readily been made available as far as specific funding for projects yet but we do have our hands up saying we are interested we're vested and there are many of us in the state of ohio who are on this uh, path to getting the funding Hmm. and and those of us who remember the old train station coming down to to build the convention center, <laughs> we have we have some arches for you that you can use. Yeah, 
Yeah, this one's going to be a lot smaller and a little a little bit more efficient. I will say it makes me sad to know that 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 station's gone. I've had the chance over the last couple of years to go into the kind of grand uh, uh, rail stations of of some of our other communities across the nation because we're studying this and you know traveling rail just to see what it's like and and wow. I could only imagine. I mean, I never saw that building. wasn't even alive for that. But, um, well, maybe. Yeah, I was in 78, I guess. <laughs> There's no way I can remember it. So, but the bottom line is um, just feeling like, you know, we missed out on that because those are such beautiful, oh. beautiful buildings. Um I know that, the, for instance, like the NFL draft is going to be held in the Union or recently has been held in the Union Station in uh, Kansas City, right. you know. And these are just beautiful buildings that, that well, made isn't it the big Cin- part of Cincinnati's rail line is the museum. Yes, it's a beautiful Which museum. Which is incredible. I think yeah. it's, what, three museums in one building. Oh, right. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the way it's designed. And so oh, yeah. these are iconic buildings, you know, and the one in Detroit, you mm-hmm. know, that went in, the state in disrepair that the Ford took over. So right. there's, you know, these are, these are pillars in our communities. So as, you know, it's, I hate the fact that, that we had one torn down. I'm glad that we're going to get the service back. But also as our communities plan for their new stations, What's it going to be efficient and going to meet the needs of now? Um, nobody's going to build a station like that anymore because the needs aren't there. But what it, what are the needs of today, right? And what do we? What do we, that's really what we're focused on now. So I, it's just such an exciting time that, that we're getting a new mode potentially in Central Ohio. I'm, I, I'm I don't waiting, care if it's one from the 1800s. I'm waiting <laughs> with bated breath. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> so, but I'm I'm working hard on it every day I, too. I know you are. Thea, you know, if you need me to carry your luggage on that next trail ride, you let <laughs> okay. me know. Hey, I, I love I love riding on a train. It, it is convenient. Oh, it's so much fun. It really is fun. So, you know, every time you come to see us, the time goes faster and faster. I think so. It, it's amazing. And and we've, we've covered everything, but we always ask our guests if you have last words of wisdom, some information to pass along um, to our listeners. Yes. Um, so my words of wisdom are patience for the construction you are about ready to see. Lots of money has been dumped into infrastructure and your community is very aggressive in going after those funds. So certainly patience there. I think as we grow, um, trying to determine the levels of service and needs of the community, um, will be very important. So patience with that. And then lastly, speak up, come talk to us, share with us what your vision is for your community, share it with your community. Um, Morpsy is here to plan for you first. We work for you as a citizen of, of central Ohio. So we, we love to hear what people need, um, to make this the quality community that they want to live in every day. And, and issues that citizens have, it may not be just their need. They may not realize that it's an issue that you hadn't thought of, that a lot of people need. Uh, we should probably also tell folks that with all this construction coming in, be careful and be, uh, don't be aggressive in your driving around those construction projects on the freeways because there are people out there working. Right. And well, they've got, they've got families to go home to. Yes. Well, and 
I couldn't agree more. The driving habits uh, over the last year have been atrocious. Mm -hmm. And so I think we all have more to do there. I just want to ensure that when we do have people out using our bike trails and or or walking on the side of the street, that they are safe. I want to know that for my own family. So I think we all have work to do around safer driving as a habit, as well as well as improving the roadways. I agree. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks, Thea Ewing from the Mid Ohio Regional Planning Commission for joining us. Listeners, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to check out our show notes for contact information and resources that are on our website at lookingforwardourway.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you, your feedback on this on, and any of our podcast episodes.